Alberto Silva's. Welcome to episode 16 of the Mia Sun Wrote podcast. Uh, today, my guest is Ronan Murphy of Gold.com. Uh, say hello, Ronan. Hi. And thank you for being with us. And we are going to talk about the Werder Bremen match, uh, the Goretzka signing, which is the worst kept secret probably in the Bundesliga and uh, talk a little bit about the new uh, fangled nations league we're going to have coming up. Uh, So uh, before we get into everything, uh, what do you do for, uh, for goal exactly? Well, I'm a social producer for goal is my title. So I, a lot of the time, look after Twitter and Facebook, keep them updated, make graphics for them, put out videos. We have the league on rights, so we get a lot of Neymar videos on, on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. We have the rights for worldwide, apart from France and Andorra and a few other kind of French territories. So they, you, I might have to edit some of them videos and clip them up. But apart from that, I do uh, just general news writing as well as features on the Bundesliga. And the Irish national team when we uh, whenever we play and lose. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, how did you get into uh, Bundesliga, or was it kind of a just natural progression with your with your work? No, I always kind of was interested in it before I was before I was with Goal. When I started with Goal, it was quite, I, I worked for Goal Ireland and we covered League of Ireland. But then we were kind of subsumed into an international edition and the UK edition, the Irish edition, the Australian edition, and the American edition kind of joined together. And then there wasn't really time for League of Ireland anymore, so I started writing about the, the Bundesliga for Goal. But even before that, it was I used to watch it because uh, growing up we used to get some of the matches on Eurosport so back in the 90s maybe I would have watched it back then when FC Hollywood and Trap Tony and all were around Ah, the glory days, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly Uh, the press conferences were much more interesting back then. Uh, I'm sure. I would, you know, watching watching the videos of of Trapattoni is 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 that's some quality quality stuff going on right there. <laughs> yeah, he he was he was a, a great Ireland manager because no one had a clue what he was saying when in English because his English was was terrible and even his his interpreter Manuela she hadn't a clue what he was trying to say half the time. <laughs> and his German was <clears throat> well, he didn't even really try, but his German was pretty horrible too. <laughs> I think his German was better than his English. If that tells you anything, <laughs> you might have something there. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and jump in. Uh, we're gonna jump into the uh, Werder Bremen match. Uh, it was a four-two victory. Um, I'm gonna reel off the goals real quick. Uh, Bremen opened the scoring in the 25th minute with a goal by Gondorf and a Max Kruse assist. Uh, Bayern got one back in the 40. First minute with Thomas Muller with a lovely uh, long Jerome Boateng assist. Uh, the second half, 63 minutes. Uh, Robert Lewandowski scored with a Hamas assist. Um, and then there was a 74th minute Sule own goal, but Cruz got the got the assist for that. 
two minutes later, Lewandowski got on the board again uh, with a Thomas Muller assist. And in the 84th minute, Muller got on the board again with a Hamas assist. Uh, we were hearing a lot of the same names going on for Bayern Munich there. Um, though the match was an important win, it wasn't a very tidy, but other results in the league means Bayern's lead is now extended to 16 points. Um, saying that, as a Bayern supporter, wasn't entirely comfortable to watch. Um, Ronan, uh, your overall thoughts on the match? Yeah, well, I'm not a Bayern supporter, so I, I'm not as uh, <laughs> as uh, biased, maybe, as, as some people may be. But uh, I think it, it wasn't as bad a performance, maybe, as some of the fans are given stick for. I think Bayern did what they needed to do and they came away with three points and they they kind of won comfortably in the end even with taking Lewandowski off and giving Sandro a run out he like he, he played well for the, the the last few minutes and showed why Byron went in so so heavy kind of to get him and why he seems to be happy to be just a number two forward or a backup forward and I think it'll work well for the rest of the season so I suppose that's one positive from it but the biggest positive I probably would have taken for from Byron's perspective is how well Hame has played and he seems to be becoming one of the kind of key players for Byron this season after a, maybe a slow start he's he's comfortable on the ball he looks for space he's dangerous from set pieces as we we seen the previous week so uh, he now has what he's been involved in four goals since the winter break so he's going to be a big player for the rest of the season I'd say yeah um, as we like to say it's probably the only thing Hamas is the only thing that that uh, Ancelotti really got right at Bayern um, but it's turning out to be a wonderful pickup for us even though he did get a slow start with the club um, and now it looks like it might be a permanent move instead of just a loan uh, from Madrid so I think um, especially uh, with Thiago's sort of patchy injury history it's nice to have um, th- that option and that option's proving to be pretty damn good by by all accounts right yeah definitely I think the the, uh, the front line the, the front three of Lewandowski and Willer and James is working out well I'm not sure what you are calling it yet JLM is it or MLJ or something sure is there a nickname a BBC, <laughs> no not BBC really sort of? no. <laughs> you need to get some sort of some sort of name going for it because it, it, it's definitely looking good so far and uh, they, I think uh, Willer and James are forming a, a good partnership I know when he arrived first people were kind of concerned how they'd fit in together because they're they're kind of similar but different players at the same time and many thought that maybe they were, they'd compete for the same position so it's interesting to see that they kind of when Lewandowski went off the pitch it was James who set up the second well their second goal so it's a yeah. uh, it's it's a good link up and one of my colleagues Nicholas Koenig was talking to, to Muller after the game and he was he was praising James and he was saying how good he was on the ball and he was happy with how he was playing so it's onwards and upwards from here I suppose for sure for sure so um, by, both teams actually started the match in a 4-1-4-1 formation they both played it a little bit differently obviously Bayern with a, a 63 
percent possession of the ball. Um, Miller was kind of as up to his old tricks, which is great to see, and allowed to run sort of rampant against a Bargfriede. Um, but something was lost with Javi at the single pivot on the other side. Um, and maybe that's not exactly entirely his fault. Um, there was sort of a, a weird space between Bayern's back line um, and Javi, and they didn't really connect well together. Uh, I think it gave, would you agree that it gave Werder uh, Brem, um, Bremen uh, plenty of opportunity on the break, and there was some room for them to maneuver uh, through Bayern when they had the opportunity on the ball? Yeah, I think so, and I think you're saying that how how well Kroosa played, and he was he was making the defense look look poor, and he he kind of forced the the OG from from Sula as well. So I think maybe it's something that will have to be looked at for the games in future because maybe this four one four one with Javier Martinez in the the kind of defensive midfield role isn't the way forward. Yeah, it was a little top heavy and and it um the 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 space between the midfield and the defense was probably the biggest knock under Ancelotti as well. There was just like acres of space. Um but it seemed like the problem was corrected um by Hankis um, up until this match, really. I mean, you know, we can, as Bayern fans, we get really picky and we can niggle about a lot of little things. But, you know, going deep into the season, those tend to add up. Um, Yeah, Javi, I mean, Javi just, he didn't get a lot of help. He wasn't getting a lot of help from Bernard or from Kimmich either with them going forward. And it just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't meh. Um, you know, like you said, not being a Bayern fan, it was probably an entertaining match for for the uh, for you know the general public to watch. Yeah, six goal matches always an entertaining match, <laughs> especially especially when the lead kind of changes a couple of times, and maybe there's a there's a couple of equalizers. It's not like it was four 0 and then there was two late goals. It was two two up until twenty minutes to go or fifteen minutes to go. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it was definitely an entertaining match. But I, I think maybe if Alaba had been there, maybe in, at left back. The, there might have been some more support because he would have offered maybe a better option from when Javi was caught out. He would have tucked in maybe, perhaps, and that would have been better for for Byron. But like you were saying, ye fans tend to point out these little mistakes. But <laughs> I, know I know they're little mistakes, but it's the little mistakes that will cost you the Champions League. It won't. It's not going to matter in the, in the Bundesliga at this stage. But it's them, it's them sort of things that need to be ironed out before you come up against the likes of Real Madrid or PSG or Man City in the in the Champions League. Sure thing. I always feel like you know, uh, coming back after the <clears throat> coming back after the winter break, that that's when you really start needing to needing to solidify uh, your team and correct all those small little problems. I mean, uh, Besiktas is. It's going to be kind of hell away, but it's it's definitely something that Bayern should go through. And then, you know, who knows what happens from there in Champions League. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's lucky that Byron didn't go in for Timo Werner because he wouldn't have been able to he- listen or he wouldn't have been able to hear with the with the Besiktas fans in the way match. But um, right. <laughs> yeah, I th- it should it should be a match. It should be a tie that Byron should progress easily enough in. And Besiktas have made a couple of good signings in the in the window, but if. Like if you if you can't if you can't get a draw out there and win at home, why even in the Champions League kind of? Right, you deserve you deserve <clears throat> to not be in it anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, a couple more thoughts on the on the uh, Werder Bremen match. Um, what's your opinion on Frank Ribery? Uh, I thought he should have been subbed instead of Aryan Robin. I think he was guilty of of really trying too hard. Um, everything was coming up through the left. Um, which kept Robin uh, idle on the right for the most part, uh, as nobody wanted to play to that side. Um, <clears throat> Robin was subbed out in the end. Uh, what's your thoughts on on Ribery's decline? Uh, it's starting to get especially noticeable, maybe more so than Aryan Robin over the last season or so. Yeah, I think maybe his fitness isn't as good as he once it once was, or his stamina wasn't as good. And you saw him tiring maybe in the second half against Werder. So that's why maybe like you're saying that he should have been taken off. That uh, he didn't. He he just looked kind of a bit off the pace as the match went on and maybe he, it was because he was trying too hard in the first half and he kind of did too much and then he didn't have the, the wind to keep him going for the rest of the match when you have a player like Coleman on the bench that did come on eventually for for Robin maybe you shouldn't unleash him earlier because with his pace he could really could have damaged Werder Bremen a bit more yeah that's a funny thing um Hekes has been sticking with Ribery <clears throat> with Ribery to start and leaving uh, a very talented Kingsley Coman on the bench. Um, people are starting to get a little antsy and wonder if uh, Coman is going to get, you know, pissed off about the whole thing. Um, going forward, Coman should be starting all the time. Yeah, you'd imagine so. You'd you'd kind of think that that Bayern are in a position that they lease him in, and maybe in next season he'll be the number one choice on the wing. But and Serge Gnabry might come back and might play on the other wing, perhaps, and maybe they'll be the two for the future. And you'll have ready-made replacements for Ribery and Robin. But at the moment, I think Yup maybe has his favourites, and it might tie back to to him being an older manager and maybe these are older guys and I can rely on these because they've been through it and their experience these guys are proven winners whereas when you have a manager that's that age maybe there's a disconnect with some of the younger guys because younger guys it's a different generation these are, are the internet age they're, they're kids that are always on their phones they probably have headphones on all the time and for an old guy like like Yop it may be hard for him to get a warm into these sort of sort of players if you maybe had a younger coach you would see Kingsley Coleman playing a bit more what, um, speaking of coaches do you think uh, Tuchel goes to Bayern next season? Um, I'd hope not that's, I don't think yeah. It's starting to look more and more like that. So I was, I was, I was wondering, I was wondering your thoughts on that. I don't, I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's. I think if he goes to Bayern, he won't last the season. 
<laughs> he's a, like he he did a lot with with Dortmund, but I I don't think he's he's got the right mindset. I think it, maybe a job outside Germany might suit him better, and maybe he could he could get a top half Premier League club it's, or a um, job like that. Right. It's an interesting conundrum because you know the attitude problem came up at Dortmund. You know, where he was battling with the front office. And if you want to pick a tougher front office to deal with than Dortmund's, it's certainly Bayern's, especially in Germany. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the, that, that, the outsized egos are just absolutely ridiculous, you know? Yeah, that's kind of what I mean when I say he might be so better to a Premier League job because they, they have a manager rather than a coach. So the manager has more say on transfers, more say on contracts, more say on who, who plays. Whereas in Germany, there's there's the kind of say where you have your sporting director and your CEO and they're nearly in the media and in the spotlight talking about the players more than the manager ever is. If you, if you look at the Premier League, there's... You'd only ever hear Jose Mourinho talk from United. You'd never hear any of the chairmen or people like that. But in the in the Bundesliga, aside, aside from Bayern, you'd be hearing Christian Heidel from Hamburg or Jens Tots. I'm getting that the wrong way around. Jens Tots from Hamburg and Christian Heidel from Schalke. You'd, you'd hear them nearly more than you'd hear their respective managers. Yeah, there's something about that. And and one more thought um, before we move on. Uh, so Ribery and Ar- Arjen Robin are both out of contract in the summer. Um, what do you think about possible extensions for the pair? I, I would can see why you'd keep them both. They, they like the club, they enjoy playing the club, and they, they do have, I know we're saying they're Asian and they're not as good as maybe they once were, but they they definitely have a lot to offer the team. Maybe not week-in, week-out players, but like these are top-quality players. They haven't they haven't lost the ability on the ball. They might have lost a small bit of pace, but these are still kind of former world-class, now excellent players. So if you have a chance to keep these guys on board, why wouldn't you? Um, even with the decline, or do you think, I mean, okay, so um, my posit is uh, for the betterment of the team, I wouldn't give it to Frank, but I'd give it to Aryan. But that's going to cause... <laughs> then that would cause a, a shitstorm. And I don't really think that they would opt to give it to one and not the other. I think these are... Yeah, it's kind of a, a double package at this stage. Right, right. Like they're going to have to retire at the same time or, you know, whatever that is, if they, you know, because they won't be able to do that without... Probably Robin wouldn't be as... as hurt about it as Ribéry would be but Ribéry would definitely be hurt if he wasn't offered and Aryan was oh definitely yeah I'd say I'd say you were you're definitely uh, hurt Ribéry's feelings he he might be butthurt as you say but like it's not a, they're not a major expense because they're already at the team there's no transfer fees like why wouldn't you keep these guys around and when you're extending their contracts let them know that they're not going to be first choice anymore we're we want to give you the, this deal but we can't guarantee you're going to play every week we're going to use you a lot but it might be from the bench rather than anything and like the, these are clever guys they've been around long enough they know that they, they're in their 30s now that they're they're not going to be first choice 
choice at the likes of Byron. They might be first choice if they drop down to a lower club, but they're winners too. So they're not going to be content with joining a team that's in fourth or fifth. Yeah, this is true. This is definitely true. So let's uh, let's move on to um, the worst kept uh, Bundesliga secret with uh, Leon Goretzka passing his physical and will join Bayern Munich on the first of July. What do you think? That's the first I've heard of it. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's been bandied. It's been bandied about um, for for. Gosh, probably about a season um, that this was going to happen or this might be a thing. Um, Schalke apparently offered uh, Goretzka the extension and he decided not to take it. And they, of course, wanted him because he's so talented to play out his last season with Schalke. So he does come to Bayern on a free, um, which is pissing a lot of people off. Um, there is a very, very angry Schalke fan base. Um, poor kid is going to have to uh, waltz through that uh, for the rest of the season. But is there is there anger? Is it baseless or or you know they're they're pissed because he's going? But I mean they're hurling insults at him. But um, if you remember correctly, he was a product of Bochum, um, so you know he didn't come up with Schalke specifically. Yeah, it's not like he's a homegrown player and he's there since he's 13 or something and he's grown with the team. He's he's a player that they signed, they developed and now they've lost. I think maybe if it had been the case that Bayern were paying 40 or 50, 60 million for him, they wouldn't have the same problem because there'd be a return on the investment. And you can see why fans are annoyed that he's he's leaving the club for, for Bayern because... At the same, uh, for them, it's sort of resigning the, themselves to the fact that they're never going to win the league because these are, he's the best player they've had in a long time and he's trading it away to leave for a bigger Bundesliga club. So it's just, it's just an end of cycle for them. And the fans are going to be frustrated because they'll, they'll look at him leaving and think, well... If we can't keep hold of him, what can we do? And we can never unseat Byron at the top of the table. So you like you can you can see why yeah, sorry, you can you can see why they're going on it's not right, but you can see why they're doing it. Yeah. We don't really we don't really like Schalke much around here. We we love their we love their school though. I mean they do they do bring up players very very well. But then you know this is kind of systemic throughout the entire Bundesliga. You know the small teams get picked on by the bigger bigger clubs and it just kind of moves up. You know this feeding frenzy that just kind of moves up the ranks and and you know uh, unfortunately for the other clubs. Byron's always at the top of that list, or at least 95% of the time. Yeah, you even seen it a few years ago. Borussia Dortmund, Lewandowski, and Hummels got to leave for Byron. You're thinking, this is the team that, when Jurgen Klopp was there, this is the team that should be kind of becoming the new number one, or the team, the team of the last decade that had the only chance to become the new number one. And even Leipzig, they're losing their best players, even though they have loads of money. And Hoffenheim, 
asking they're already after losing a, three of their, their standout players to Bayern in the last 12 months or more so it, the, it's just going to keep going Bayern Munich are just going to win the Bundesliga for the next decade yeah, it's 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 hard to see them uh, all of a sudden start to do business poorly, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've been doing doing business well for a while, and even when you look back to last summer, Lewandowski giving out that PSG were spending two hundred twenty two million on on Neymar, and why can't we get a superstar? And then you look, they're after signing James for thirteen million of a loan fee, and maybe another forty two million if the, if it works out in two years, which it looks like it will. And you're looking at that, and that's the kind of galacto, the galactic order after signing and it's still only costing 55 million compared to the amount of money other teams are spending like even in the international market Bayern are doing a good job so it's hard to see anyone on seeing them in, in, in Germany anyway but the Chinese League is a different story we wait and see that one um, so somebody brought up on Twitter um, uh, whether whether uh, Bayern fans were upset that they didn't get Alexis Sanchez um, and they would have liked to have seen a Vidal-Sanchez pairing while that does have merit. Um, I'm not particularly arsed that, that, <laughs> that Sanchez is not at Bayern. I think... <coughs> uh, there's a fairly complete team um, uh, going forward now, as long as not too many people get injured. Um, do you think? Do you think Goretzka's signing means um, Arturo Vidal is gone in the summer? Yeah, I, I would imagine so. But to to answer your first point, maybe, or to to comment on your first point about Sanchez, I think my or my United, it's a better place for him, and Bayern didn't need a 29 year old. They're better off signing a, a young Goretzka, a player maybe a versatile midfielder, and I know maybe wingers. Their their own guys are in, in their thirties, but signing a twenty nine year old isn't the answer for for. But I could see Vidal leaving in the summer. He's been linked with Man United forever, but it seems that Chelsea may be the the likely destination for him, and maybe his time has come to an end. And with Goretzka arriving. Bayern don't have such a reliance on him they don't need him as much anymore and having Martinez aside from the game at the weekend he's developed into a fine player Thiago is an excellent and world class midfielder and I know he's talked about going back to Spain but if they can keep hold of him and they can have Gretzky in the midfield there's there's no need for Vidal you might as well cash in on him and even though he's an older player they could easily get 50 million from, from Chelsea for sure um, what do you, now that now that uh, Rafinha Alcantara has moved on from Barcelona do you think maybe Thiago's not maybe not so excited about getting back to play with his brother I'd say that could be the case that would have been I, I know he, he's a fan of the club and he, he's talked about going back there but maybe the fact that his brother isn't there anymore it, it would make him less likely to leave I, I didn't he said he always seen his own player rather than some of these guys the Hazard brothers maybe they always end up playing together but he always seen his own player so maybe that wouldn't have been such a, a draw to him but even if it was only 10% of a draw it's it's less likely now that he, he may leave in the summer for them so I, I could imagine he'd stay at Byron for the next couple of years anyway and uh, uh, one last point about about Byron uh, with the signing of Goritzka and with Nobby coming um, next season Byron is kind of getting back to FC Bayern Germany right? 
Yeah, it's a good it's a good thing for Bayern and it's a good thing for Germany because you know when the players go away and international to have this bond and they have the bond coming back, the bond from the clubs and it's it's nice for for them all to be playing together and to develop this chemistry because it'll help Germany as a team and it'll help Bayern as a team. The, all these guys in week in week out playing in the same team so it's and it's good to see Byron maybe taking a chance on some of these younger guys like Gnabry who maybe people would have thought what are they doing buying him because he never he hasn't really proved himself or lived up to his potential before now but if he can kick on a bit of Hoffenheim for the rest of the season and come back and turn into a good player next season he's definitely one for the future and it's it's maybe better for the Bayern fans to see these German guys rather than spending money or bringing in a, a French winger like they did with, with Coleman because uh, Bayern has always been a, a big German club and it's it's nice to see it becoming FC Bayern Germany again um, so do you think there's any chance that uh, Yogi Love could eventually become the Bayern trainer? I would imagine so. Like international management, you have a certain shelf life when you're an international manager. And I wish our Republic of Ireland manager his shelf life. I wish his had been finished after the five one defeat to Denmark in the playoffs. But unfortunately, we have for another two years. But um, I'd say Yogi could. It seems the most likely destination for destination for him when he leaves Germany is to become the Bayern boss. And if we're looking at it, that maybe after Yup retires again, that there might be some sort of gap or some sort of standby manager if they knew that maybe Yogi Love perhaps even after winning the World Cup in the summer if Germany do win the World Cup I know they're the favourites and it's they're who I'd be backing for it especially as the Confederations Cup showed they have such depth in the squad that maybe he could decide after then I'm, I've done everything I can with the Germany international team so I might as well go into club management and maybe it could be the perfect kind of route to go to Bayern in the summer and young Pankes could retire into the sunset for a second or third time. Grab grab his dog and his wife and <laughs> and hang out. Um, a few episodes ago, we kind of previewed um, the German national team and uh, we came up with 60 viable candidates to go to World Cup. Like viable, which is kind of an outstanding figure um it's an embarrassment of riches in in germany right now for talent do you want to give any of them irish passports <laughs> we could do with some new players <laughs> right. because we were judging from the uh u21 euro which they also won and and the and the confederations cup and then uh you know also well, the players. ireland were in the under 19s the euro under 19s we, we did all right last summer and uh arp the uh, young hamburg striker he was phenomenal in that so you, you put him down as number 61 because <laughs> if he can if he, if he can be good in the second half of this season he is a tremendous talent fantastic uh so <laughs> let's talk about this new tournament that i don't know anything about <laughs> 
that's fine. It's, it seems a lot of people don't know anything about one of our national broadcasters here, News Talk. It's a talk radio. It's the biggest talk radio station in Ireland, and they have a, a, a soccer show every evening. And the, an ex-Ireland player, Kevin Kilbane, who played 111 times for Ireland, fine midfielder, former Premier League player, left back, left midfield. But he was on talking about the Nations League, and the more I listened to him talk about it, the more he confused himself, and the more confused the people he was on the show with and the listeners. And then on Sky, and then on Sky Sports, when they were doing the, they were showing the live draw here on Sky Sports in, in the UK and Danny Mills was on and he was there trying to explain it and he hadn't a clue either so if uh, these professional if, if these guys that are meant to be the, the, the top journalists in their respective countries on broadcast if they don't understand it uh, good luck to the fans understanding it <laughs> I mean, for honestly, I totally forgot that it was even going to be a thing. Like, I I remember, you know, um, UEFA passing it, and then it just kind of went away for a while, and all of a sudden the draw, you know, the draw came up, and I was like, oh yeah, what's all this about? So, um, <laughs> well, I understand the tournament erases pointless friendlies, and. Um, it, depending on how serious the national team coaches will take it, is it just subjecting your best and brightest players to more stress and more competition, even though it's the same amount of matches? Or do you think that um, keeping everything, I mean, everything as competitive matches is, is the, is it a good idea? It probably is because you look at some, some of the international friendly breaks and you get the, the best players deciding not to go to their international team because they're only friendlies and they'd rather stay with the club and they might have a fake injury or something. You look at Ryan Giggs who's after taking over to Wales manager and there was some stat out when he took over as manager that he missed something like 50 to 60% of their friendlies during his time in his playing career and mm-hmm. like players continue to do that. So if there's a level of competitiveness to these games then maybe we might end up seeing better players playing in these matches rather than friendlies but if you take I know I'm taking Ireland because I'm from Ireland but if you take it from our perspective as as someone who's in League B the second tier of of teams the matches are kind of much more interesting because there's some sort of competitive level on it and then the likes of Ireland and I know the Northern Ireland manager, Michael O'Neill, was speaking about how important it was for them. The likes of Northern Ireland can get promoted to League A, and then they'll be in the same pot as the likes of Germany, France, Portugal, Spain, England, all these big teams. And he was saying that before now, we'd ne- they, they, the Northern Irish team, they'd never get to play Germany in a friendly. They'd never get to play France in a friendly. But if they get promoted in this winter, then in two years' time, they'll be in Ligue 8 and then they'll be playing the likes of Germany and the likes of France. And they'll be able to bring them to Northern Ireland and bring them to Windsor Park and sell out the stadium rather than playing Slovakia or Saudi Arabia or someone that right. isn't really going to wet the, wet the appetite. And then when you look at... That how it might be good for Germany I suppose it's kind of something like taking the Confederations Cup as an example of how Germany went on to win that and Yogi Love was able to use all these fringe players and assess them and it was where Goretzka maybe broke into the national consciousness of my god this guy is really good because maybe before that he would have been a bit under the radar but 
he was so good at the Confederations Cup that this is a player that Byron needed. So um, it might be a chance for players like that to to show their wares with the with the teams in in League A, the, the top seeds of Europe. Uh, this is a part I'm not familiar with, and maybe maybe you are, maybe you're not. Um, are th- are they going to be able to switch up teams like in friendlies, or you know, are they going to have the 23 man? That's that's not a part that's clear to me. Or do they have to have a 23 man and that's it? Okay, so how it works is so in there'll be matches in September, October, November. So there's one match in September and two in October and one in November, I think it is this time around. So you play each team home and away. So Germany have France and the Netherlands. So they're playing one game in France, one in the Netherlands, and two in Germany, obviously. So for the match in September, they're probably a friendly to go along with that, or maybe not. And and Love will call up his 23-man panel for that. And then, again, when the matches come around in October, he'll be able to call up a different 23-man panel and then a different 23-man panel in November. Oh, okay. That makes that makes yes. a little more sense. so the sense. same as a friendly, essentially. Right. Yeah, the same, the, same, the same as a World Cup qualifier or European qualifier. Okay. That makes, that makes a yeah. little bit more sense. Rather than, you know, spread it out over three months and trying to choose 23, you know. No, uh, because yeah, I suppose you'd get guys injured. Yeah. And then you'd end up with 16 man panel. Yeah. <laughs> which would which would suck a little bit. Um <laughs> Yeah. Definitely. So, but it'd be it'd be good if it was the opposition team ended up with 16 man panel. <laughs> no goalkeepers. Yeah. So then and then the winner gets a free berth at Euro 2020, correct? Not quite. This is where it starts to get complicated. So what happens is that in, in B, C, and D, the, t- the teams that come top of each of the four groups will get promoted and the teams that will come bottom will get relegated from A, B, and C down. So each there'll be four promotions and four relegations from each one, apart from the top and bottom, obviously, the, each time. So... Uh, as well as that, then that will where you finish in your in your little league in your in your table will decide where you're seeded for the European qualifiers. The draw for that is in Ireland in December, so that starts next March. The qualifiers at the end of that, there will be twenty teams that will have qualified for Euro twenty twenty two. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what year it is at the moment. Euro twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the teams that the, there'll be twenty teams, and then four more teams. Will have qualified through a playoff system based on the nation's league standings. But the team that will be in the 16 team nation's league, uh, the nation's league <clears throat> playoff will be 16 teams that haven't qualified for the Euros already. So if you do, you win your division and you qualify for the Euros, then you won't be in the playoffs. Is as far as I can make it out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you'll still get promoted. Strange, strangely, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. I, I think I actually yeah. understand this. I was I was uh, I mean I was trying to read up a little bit, and and that was still confusing me as well. <laughs> yeah, that 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 seems to be the bit that's not clear for anyone. But as far as I can tell, it's the it's the 16 best teams that from well four from each A, B, C, and D that haven't already got to the Euros, will make up the playoffs. Huh. All right. Yeah. So I think I can wrap my head around it a little bit better, and, and it doesn't seem like the worst idea in the world, maybe. Um, it, is, it, is it kind of a cash grab for UEFA, though? 
I wouldn't necessarily say so because there's not a UEFA competition for them. They already have the, the, the European Championship, so it's not. They're probably not going. It's probably they're probably not going to be making much more money from it. It's probably the the nations themselves that maybe can sell out games because I know. Some of the some of the friendlies wouldn't sell out because they're not that desirable. But if Germany are playing the Netherlands and France, you'd imagine because they're close nations, rival nations, they might be sell out games, and they might be able to maybe charge more for the tickets. And the same for for the teams further down, the teams in B and C and D, they might be able to get more appeal matches. And maybe it'll be a chance for the likes of Andorra or the likes of the Faroe Islands to actually win some matches. Hmm. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know what? This has been kind of short and sweet. And I think we've about wrapped, wrapped this one up, Ronan. How do you feel about Sounds that? Good. Yeah? Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, wow. Cool. So uh, this has been episode 16 of the Muse on Road podcast. Um, again, my guest today was Ronan Murphy of Goal.com. Uh, where can we find you online if we want to pester you? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at SwearMonopol is my username. Okay. So okay. And then, <laughs> sorry about that. And then I am, uh, same place I always am. I'm on Twitter at the Susie Shaft, T H E S U S I E S C H A A F. And uh, thank you once again for joining me, Ronan. And uh, we will get back with you after. <laughs>